Hello and welcome to the Al-Qasimi Foundation podcast. My name is Sakar Al-Malki and today I'm joined by Rachel Slow, the owner and the CEO of the Rachel Slow Consulting based in the United Kingdom. Rachel has been collaborating with the Al-Qasimi Foundation for the past five years and has provided several professional development and coaching to the government of Ras al-Khaimah. Rachel, it's unfortunate that we could not meet in person due to the current situation, but here we are online. Uh, I hope things are going well with you. Thank you, Saka. Yes, they are. They, these are indeed strange times we find ourselves in. And of course, I'm always disappointed not to be in the UAE, but uh, the sun is shining in the UK today, so that's a good start. Yeah. So you're enjoying your summer. I hope it's not a very hot summer in the UK. Uh, certainly is not. No, it's uh, it's rainy and uh, rather wet yesterday and sunny today, but um, that's the joy of the UK. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. So uh, we can start by, uh, if you could start by telling us a little bit more about what you do and about your organization. Yeah, uh, well, so it is, it's a pleasure uh, to be with you today and of course talking about my favorite subject, uh, which has got to be around the development of people and teams and organisations. So I've been running Rachel Slough Consulting for about 10 years now. And um, as you say, I'm based in the UK, but 50% of my time has probably spent working in Europe and the UAE, mm-hmm. although I've been firmly placed in the UK uh, in recent weeks. And uh, the main area of focus for my business is in the leadership development field. And that may be working with individuals through coaching, or it could be working with a particular team in an organization or the organization as a whole. And so it's very varied. And uh, I work in many different circumstances across public and corporate organizations. And uh, also RSC is a professional partner of the Institute of Leadership and Management, uh, the biggest UK awarding body of leadership qualifications. Uh, but that's also recognised globally. And we have delivered, I think, almost now a qualification to over a 1,000 delegates in the last 10 years. Uh, so awesome. leadership really is, is my passion. And uh, we love to work with organisations on developing them as they grow. Uh, so particularly we work with organisations who are perhaps small to medium size. Yeah. Um, but we've also worked with bigger organisations where we may run a very specific programme like a talent programme or an executive team development programme. And many of those are bespoke and written directly for the organisation. Mm-hmm. And even during COVID, I've had to grow my business to an online offering, which has been new for me. Okay. Uh, and I've done some really exciting work with the University of Surrey uh, during COVID and uh, with other organisations who have wanted to have support of their managers as they grow and develop during this very difficult time, particularly for emerging leaders. So I'm passionate really about supporting the journey through leadership, whatever that might look like. Excellent. So to speak more about working with different organizations, what is your relationship with the foundation and how did that collaboration begin? Goodness, I think I think you, you highlighted I've been working for the foundation for over five years now, which is amazing. I love to journey with organizations over time because you can really be a part of their development and their growth. And I first met Dr. Ridge in London, uh, where we were both attending a leadership course ourselves. So they are, even CEOs need to do their own professional development. 
And so we obviously struck up a, a friendship and started talking. And at that point, I was also working for a German company in Abu Dhabi. So I was already had some connection in the UAE, and uh, very kindly, Dr. Ridge invited me to come and spend a day or two with the foundation management team. And so, as, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. But our relationship developed, and I've continued to work, uh, as you've highlighted, with the foundation and a more recently a government project, whether that be through individual coaching to developing the department teams and uh, the privilege of leading your staff retreat every year where we particularly focused on topics that have been relevant to the growth of the organisation yeah. and your wonderful team within it. And uh, for me, I'm passionate about working with organisations who really want to develop their people and realise that they are their best asset and the foundation has been very committed to the growth of the organisation and the people who work within it. And so that's been really lovely for me. It's been a great collaboration and uh, feeling that you'll help you make a difference is a great is a great privilege. Very well. Um, so to as an expert in professional development, what what do you think or why do you think professional development is important? Ooh, I can't emphasise enough I think how important professional development is for us as individuals um, but for organizations as well and I often come across people who've not invested in themselves and organizations that have not invested in their people and therefore never quite reached their potential as a result they've never quite uncapped the talent that they've got and I think you know if we are to flourish and grow and continue to make a difference where we work then ongoing development has to be part of that. And uh, if I were to use the analogy of a flower, I think it's like flowers in the garden. You know, we often, um, we bring them in, they look lovely, they're blooming well, we might water them a little bit, but if we don't continue to water and nurture them, they won't last and they won't continue to grow. And I yeah. think that happens with people in organisations. We, we initially recruit them because we think that they're great and they can start in the role that we've recruited them for, but we don't continue to invest and, and then that becomes yeah, a barrier to continued growth and that's a great yeah. shame. So I believe yeah, that professional development is really important for a personal and organisational level. Yeah. Alright, so when you design a programme or like a coaching session, what are some of the topics you focus on and why? No, I think that professional development is, is very individual uh, and I think that the key thing that I would say I've noticed whether I'm working in the UK, the Europe or, or UAE is, you know, people are people. They often face similar issues, uh, they often struggle with similar problems, but it is personal. And therefore I think for me over the 10 years that I've worked in this sector, um, before that I was involved in HR, people development in a bigger company. Um, I believe you still have to look at people as individuals and personality profiling can help you do that. Um, understanding the organisation, the cultural context and environment is really key because then you really work on developing what works for them and what their particular needs are. And whether that's a one-day workshop or a five-day development programme, my key thing is to tailor that to the organisation, so understanding their needs, their context, and who they're delivering their results for is really important. And therefore, 
there are some generic things that we do and that work everywhere, but actually it is also very individual. And um, we lovely, lovely use this phrase of the answer's in the room and my job is to help you find it. And I really believe that given time and the right format, we can unlock the answers from the people in the room and help them think through what it is that they need. So I'm not focused just on skills training. Mm -hmm. I'm focused on unlocking people's mindsets and behaviours and thinking about how that works together with the development programmes that we design and understanding their culture and how that works out is also a really important part of that. So certainly creating the right environment for learning is really important. And, uh, and I think that many issues can be done through online development, but mm -hmm. I think it doesn't, doesn't, you cannot replace the one-to-one -one connection with people and bringing people together in a room to discuss the issues that they're facing. So one size certainly doesn't fit all, uh, and it's really important to work within the organisation to plan and develop the most effective programme for them. Uh, and that uh, really is what I believe is the most successful outcome, comes from that personal planning. Right. So, um, given that you are based now in the United Kingdom, and of course the UAE has been a, a new area for you, so what differences have you witnessed in giving coaching in the UAE? Was the difference of culture and environment a challenge that you faced? Uh, you know, I think that uh, time factor, <laughs> we starting very early in the morning. Uh, you know, one of the things, as I say, that I, I work across... Um, uh, the Europe, and so I do spend a lot of time in the UAE. I certainly believe that uh, I have noted when I have been there a real um, genuine professional interest in their own development. People want to be at the best that they can be. Um, and I think people welcome the investment when it's made for them, certainly uh, within the foundation and uh, one of the other companies that I work with in Abu Dhabi. People are very respectful of professional people coming to help them with professional development. That's not always the case in the UK. Mm -hmm. And I think that people want to learn. They want to be equipped and enabled to do the job that they've been asked to do. And many organisations don't invest in that. But I would say certainly in the UAE, uh, I see a hunger for learning, a real desire to want to be a better leader when I've worked with leaders. Mm. And... A feeling of collaboration. People want to work together, and that means that we can really unlock potential. And people have a real desire for personal growth. And and I would say that's one of the things I've noticed, particularly in the UAE. And obviously, we have multicultural uh, environment there, and the language can be an issue. So just kind of working with that, finding exercises and activities makes a difference, um, and applying that to the group that you've got allowing people to spend time talking to each other uh, rather than just talking at them really, again, uh, unlocks what people are thinking and feeling and, and helps embed the learning. So I think it's about being flexible okay. and uh, it's, uh, air conditioning is always very welcome too, of course, when you're working in the heat in the UAE. Uh, I'll never forget the staff retreat in July. That was, uh, that was probably my biggest challenge. Um, but I think it's it's really about understanding who you're working with, and we do that initially in exercises together, understanding what people's hopes and fears are for any kind of um, development program, so that we address those head on. Um, but I love working uh, in the UAE, and I particularly see a real passion for learning, uh, certainly amongst the professionals that I've worked with, and that's been amazing. Perfect. So to talk more about the 
people with different culture and environment. So when you design a professional development for a specific group, um, what, what, what criteria do you focus on or follow when working with those people with different culture and environment? I think the most important thing is relationship with the organization and the people who are developing that. And um, if we take the example of the foundation, then obviously I have worked closely with Dr. Ridge on understanding the needs of the growing organization. We've also done some personality profiling of the people within the organization. So we understand how people work together where that works well, where there may be some differences, uh, whether the issue is around skills and competence or whether it's an issue around people's mindset and, and their behaviours. So any programme that we do is really built around understanding who it's being delivered for and, and also particularly what the outcome is. Um, many organisations aren't very good at thinking about what outcome do they want from any development and particularly within the foundation, uh, I think you're very clear about what outcome you want as a result of the development. And therefore, the process of putting that together and planning that is built around the outcome that you would like. And discussing with the group that we're working with at the time. How does this work? What else would you like to know? It's really the difference between training and facilitation. And, and I would say I'm a, I'm a facilitator, not a trainer. And actually in facilitation, it's really working with the group that you have and understanding their needs and, um, and their cultural context in terms of the barriers that they may have within their own area of work. So for me, the kind of criteria is really understanding what outcome does the organisation want, who's involved, how much do we know about them, uh, and about the individuals and therefore understanding their own needs and, and then really bespoking that uh, program to fit them. Okay, so um, let's talk also about the career path of an individual or an organization. So um, we can take two examples, one of an individual or an, or an organization who did not invest in professional development and another who actually did. So in your opinion, what would be both of them or what would both of them look like in the next five years? <laughs> well, I can tell you I work with many organisations who've, who've done both. Yeah. And uh, so what are the consequences? I mean, I, I think it's, you know, as we say, if we don't look after and maintain things, they won't grow. And uh, there's a lovely saying that many people are promoted to their level of incompetence. And I see that a lot in organisations where people have initially been recruited for their skills and their knowledge and the competence that their CV seems to say to a position. And yet we don't want to lose people. We often don't recruit someone for one position. We, we want them to grow within our organisation. And it's much easier to recruit internally if we can. But we have to be really mindful of how we plan for that and, and strategic in our thinking. You know, what is the growth path? What's the career path for an individual in a role? And I think organisations who do that well, right at the beginning, have a potential career path for someone. You know, this is where you might grow and develop in our organisation. And through that, from day one, there's conversation around what will you need to grow and develop. And... People take responsibility for their own personal development and the organisation takes responsibility for giving them regular 
input and development. And I think when organisations are strategic about looking after their people and plotting a potential career path for them, they are much more effective in putting things in place and putting professional development in place. But it's, it's responsibility of both. Uh, and I think organisations who are poor at that, very sadly, they almost, you know, they, they put someone in a position who does very well to begin with, and then they may promote them, and they don't give them any further uh, input, they don't give them any further development, and they may do okay for a bit, but without that input, they will struggle, and then often that relationship ends badly, because someone's not performing at their best, and the organisation isn't getting what they want, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes that's, that's the way it is, some people can't grow within an organisation, there's a limit to what their capacity is for a job, but I think for many, it's the underinvestment of professional development for people, and if we want people to grow, then we're going to have to think about what, what they'll need to get there. And I think it's easy for organisations to be quite lazy about that and individuals to be lazy about plotting their own career path and what they need for that. So I think it's really important. If you look at people who've been with organisations for three to five years or more, they probably have had professional development input they're probably quite self-motivated, yeah. but the organisation probably has been quite strategic in their personal development through the organisation. Mm-hmm. And organisations who don't do that well have not usually grown at the rate they want to, and they are not usually getting people performing at their best, and they're probably ultimately not reaching the goals and exceeding in the service that they give externally to whoever mm-hmm. their customer might be. Yeah, excellent. So... And behind the professional developments and coaching that you have been giving to the employees of Ras Sultan government uh, in leadership, time management, and other areas, what are some of the challenges that you think all they have, they all have in common, and how these challenges can be addressed? Oh, uh, well, that's a good question. I, you know, I think that um, the issue of leadership, mm-hmm. there are global common ground for many people, uh, particularly in terms of having time to think. I think that for all of us, we can be guilty of being very busy doing in our day job. And we can be very efficient in producing lots of things or completing lots of tasks, but we may not be very effective. And I think one of the challenges that we have in any role that we do is where do we stop and hit the pause button and just step back and have a look at what we're doing and assess whether that's the right thing, whether or not we could be improving some things, or whether or not we're spending our time doing the right things. And certainly, um, we did a wonderful recent um, five-day program, five-day leadership course, uh, under the framework of the ILM, the Instituting Warning Body, uh, which was a joint offering from the foundation working with government employees, as you say, mainly in the education sector. Yeah. And during those five days, we explored what it meant to be a leader versus a manager. What was the difference in leadership mm-hmm. um, than just managing? Um, we looked at the challenge of leading individuals and our teams and building effective teams to deliver results. And we we looked at what it might be to develop others and empower others so that those leaders might grow in their role of leadership and have more time to think about the leadership strategic things. And the thing I particularly noticed was there was a real hunger to understand what leadership was and that many of these people were, were in leadership positions but had never really 
being given the time to really think through what leadership meant and what it meant to lead and organise teams effectively. Mm -hmm. And I was really encouraged by the way in which this group worked together, the challenges that they talked about, and especially the lovely things that they talked about wanting to change as a result. And I really believe when we give the right input to people, people will take it on and they will go about change and they will implement new things. And I was really encouraged by the motivation and the enthusiasm, uh, particularly uh, from the government employees there in the UE, compared to government employees here in the UK, if I'm allowed to say that, uh, was the hunger to, to want to learn and to, and to have more. Uh, and I think that that's a real challenge is how do we give people time to think about the issues they're facing and then also equip and enable them with tools and techniques and time to think that enable them to perform better. And, and also uh, my lovely phrase would be to get the balcony view, to get up off the floor, the busyness of what they're doing and look down and see where they can really make an impact uh, as a leader and manager. And I think that that programme over five days really established uh, and embedded some change in their practice. And that's really exciting. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that I get out of it for every day. That brings me back to the last half retreat when you said we need to stretch ourselves out of the comfort zone. So that's, yes. uh, that's the same thing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right, so going forward, what do you expect from the foundation in the future? How do you think the foundation can further support professional development in the government of Rasenheimer? Uh, I think that um, the thing that I, as I've already highlighted, I think particularly in the UE or certainly in organisations that I've worked with, there's a hunger and enthusiasm to learn, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. And therefore, finding opportunity to continue to do that is really important. I think the recent pandemic issue has shown that there are many offerings online. People can take responsibility for their own professional development. But I think the real challenge is understanding what are the things that people can do for themselves and how do we encourage that? How can we help people really plan their own professional development? And everybody should have a personal development plan uh, that they look at for themselves and they discuss with their managers. But I think, too, it's also understanding what are the things that benefit people the most by bringing them together? What are the group activities, the group courses, the, the leadership courses where bringing people face to face and learning from each other? Uh, what are the things that we can really do that will help that? And I think as you go forward and you look to partnership more and to offer more, it's really understanding what are the needs and how do we best meet them? And... I think one of the things that really struck me on the recent leadership course that we did was the group of people at the end agreeing that they were going to try and meet together more often to discuss the issues that they have. Yeah. And you can't do that online. You've got to bring people together for that. Yeah. So I think there's a blended learning approach. I think there are things that we can do at lots of levels. And I think that that's the challenge as you go forward is what's needed and how do we best provide for that. But I think that the best thing uh, is that people are keen to learn and they want to learn and they engage with it. And that's a fantastic starting point. All right. So, and also many, you mentioned some of the challenges and changes that have been happening recently. Of course, the pandemic is the, uh, uh, is the perfect example. So with those many changes, um, 
that happen and will happen in the future, what do you think professionals can do to keep up with those changes? Yeah, I mean, gosh, the, the recent global pandemic, hasn't it, has been an issue for all of us. Um, and I think it's been a real lesson in helping us all understand the need to be adaptable and agile and to be ready for change. And, you know, we've, we've come through quite a season, but it's ongoing, isn't it? We are continuing to face changes and um Many individuals have realized that they can adapt, that they can do things that they never thought possible, and the same for many organizations. I think my word of warning in some of that is what we went through initially with the pandemic is what we'd call crisis management. You know, we were, everybody understands a crisis and we just have to move and we have to adapt and we have to be really quick to respond. But that doesn't mean that we can now continue to do that and there will be now plan change and there will be long-term impacts uh, of, of what's happened and therefore we need to therefore work with people really clearly about what the potential change is going to be and consult and engage with people about how they may learn to adapt and work with that and that's not crisis management that's much more planned change management and we need to engage people with us but I think that's People have learned that they can manoeuvre when they need to. They have probably learned new things about themselves. And I think for professionals working with teams is to take time to just stop and look at what have we learned through this season? How does that inform us going forward? But I think one of the huge things that's come up, and it's certainly big in the UK, and I've been doing a couple of work with this with other organisations, is really our well-being of the people who work for us. This has been an incredibly stressful time. A, a mental health organisation in the UK has just done some research yeah. and 88% of people said it's been the most stressful time in their career. Wow. And so I think we can't underestimate the impact of what people have gone through of this professional and personal life collision. Yeah. Um, and therefore we also need to spend a bit of time helping people go, how do you look after yourself? You know, what does self-care well-being look like and how do we build resilience as we move forward because I think we're going to live in a continual time of change for some time to come and, and the professionals need to be leading that uh, and aware of what's needed and required by the, the teams uh, and the people that work for them. Perfect. So in general, what is your professional advice to all professionals in all their career levels? Um, I think, as I said right at the beginning, you know, I think the personal development has to be strategic. You know, we have to look ahead and plan for that. And therefore, it needs to be part of our strategic plan. Uh, the people culture, people development has to be part of the overall plan for an, an organisation. And it also, as I said, has to be personal too. And organisations need to set the standard that will say to people, we will invest in you, we will help and grow and develop you, we'll ask you key questions like, how are you getting on at the moment? What's your greatest challenge? How could we help you overcome it? We will support you, but it also needs to be personal responsibility. And we need to make that clear to employees. They will back you up. We'll give you the support to grow, but you've got personal responsibility here. We expect you to be aware of your strengths and your weaknesses, your areas for development, and to ask for support for that. So I think it has to be 
from the very top level strategically in place, but it has to be at the very ground level with every individual taking some responsibility to review what they need to continually to develop professionally. Um, but it needs to be led by those key people in the organisation that everybody has a part to play. Right. And in your opinion, how should listeners and professionals invest in, in professional development or even personal development? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's an investment that you'll never regret if you get it right. Um, I think that there are many ways of investing in your own development, whether that's shadowing a member of staff, whether it's going along... Um, to networking meetings, or whether it's doing an online course, or attending a professional program, I think that who doesn't want to grow? You know, who doesn't want to develop? Who doesn't want to blossom in where they are? I think most people want to do that. I, I do think that sometimes people, maybe their experience of education has been poor, and their confidence in themselves is maybe lacking. But I don't come across many people who don't want to continue to learn. And I think the challenge is understanding what is the best thing to help you do that and what is going to be most effective. And certainly in coaching people, I often hear people talk about stuff they'd like to do, but it's not really going to be very relevant to their job or growing them professionally. So we need to challenge people about the appropriate level of professional development and what's going to be most effective for them. I don't think it's ever an investment that doesn't pay off, yeah. but we have to use it well. And I think after a situation like we've just been through, many organisations will feel, well, now's not the time to invest, where I would say now absolutely is the time to invest. Yeah. We want to keep our best people. Uh, we want to equip and enable them to do the roles that we've asked them to do. Yeah. And we... You know, recruitment is a nightmare and it takes all our time up and it's very difficult. And perhaps those who are looking for work, you know, how can you show that you've really invested in yourself and continue to grow and develop? Because that's very attractive to an organisation. Excellent. Thank you so much, Rachel, for being with us today. It was a pleasure talking to you and hearing your insights on creating a culture of professional development. And we hope we meet soon in person. I hope so too. I love you, I long to come back and uh, I wish you all very well there too. Thank you for your time today, Sandra. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the al Foundation podcast. To find out more about our research, capacity development programs and community engagement, visit our website at www.alkasimifoundation.com. Discover more episodes of the podcast on Apple, Spotify and SoundCloud. Thank you for listening.